Yeah, good genes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all hers. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So Proverbs chapter three, we're gonna pick it up there, verse nine. So somebody just read those uh, two couplets there, nine through twelve. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your your vats will be bursting uh, with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's dis- discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son is whom he delights. So as we've been going through this paragraph last week and then now finishing it out this week, uh, we're seeing where sometimes it's just the, the first verse and then there's what happens on the second verse. Sometimes in the A, B, and then A uh, in the first verse and the part, first part of the second verse, we get that, what we're to do, and then what consequences are, what's going to happen because of that. Uh, so now we're jumping into nine. So if we're honoring the Lord with our wealth, what does that look like in 2024? How, how do we do that by the guiding of the Holy Spirit today? Chan? Tithing. Okay, tithing. All right. So when you say tithing, Chan, what, what does that mean? Um, giving 10% of what you earn. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, is that something that is Old Testament, New Testament? Old Testament. Okay. Does it transition? Does it come into the New Testament? In what way? It's the foundation for the, the New Covenant, which is really just to honor the Lord with everything. Yes. Uh, And so, just like Pastor's going to do next week with Sabbath, what we have to clearly understand is the the literal legalistic 10% from the Old Testament doesn't come into the New Testament. But yet, what we see in the New Testament relates to that. And and how does it relate? Brian, say your part again there. the, it's the foundation, and, and it's it's really from there you're only going up and giving more. Yes, that's the way I see it. Yes, and uh, and to a certain extent, you know, we're to give till it really hurts, or to give till we feel good about it. And so, we're not bringing the tithing into the new covenant, into the New Testament, in a legalistic way, but yet it does seem like it's a starting point for then what Jesus challenges us and what the apostles challenge us to be giving of God everything within us. And so we just want to make sure we understand when we say tithe, because that specifically is an Old Testament word, but I think it's okay for us to use it in the New Testament with the understanding that we're not being legalistic and we're not keeping it because it comes from the Old Testament. We're keeping it because the New Testament, Jesus and the apostles, Highlight it and actually elevate it above and beyond that. Okay, good. Somebody else had a hand over here. Dave, was that you? Oh, okay. Hunter, were you saying something? Uh, started to, yeah. Um, okay, somebody over here. I've got a problem projecting, so that's probably why you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, not putting your money to things that the Lord wouldn't approve of. Okay. So, so having that understanding that you're not going to put it towards things that, that, that God is not in for or in for or, or liking along those lines. 
I think 10% is a good place to start because mm -hmm. sometimes we don't really know. Mm -hmm. um, and you can pray about it and maybe God doesn't put like a certain percentage on your heart. But I think, in, I can't remember where it was, but it said, um, <coughs> give unto God whatever you have decided in your heart. Yeah. I, I, I'm butchering that verse. But um, I think that's, you know, whatever, you, between you and the Lord, mm -hmm. what you decide and you trust that, you know, whatever he wants for you, whatever he wants you to give is best. But mm -hmm. I think 10% is a great place to start. Okay. Uh, <coughs> is that good? Yeah. Right. I think, I mean, for me personally, when you realize that any, any type of wealth comes from him, to begin with, right? So, so really, and then I know we're gonna get into it. Hey, and your first fruits, like not, not the leftovers, but I don't want to get ahead of you. But well, let's go ahead. Read, read the second part of nine, there, Mike. Um, <coughs> and with the first fruits of all your produce. Right. So, what type of culture do we have here? We have to make sure that we recognize that agrarian. Yeah, so we're bringing out the big words today, okay? Uh, so agrarian means what? They farm. They farm, yeah, okay? And so we have to understand when it says the first fruits of your produce, most of the people are growing their own produce, and, and you need stuff to eat. Uh, and so so does the, the church, and so does other believers, and so does the temple. Uh, and so that's really where you're bringing but what's the idea of the first fruits within that? Say, okay, best. It involves trust. Yeah. In what way? Know, uh, the farmer doesn't know what the rest of the crop is going to look like. Okay. He has to trust the Lord. Okay. So my my list says the first fruits of thine increase, and so it's like a like a military tradition. Whenever someone gets promoted then whatever the difference in pay is, then that's like what they put at the bar, like as a tab. And then they like go to the bar and, and, and so if you're not doing the bar thing, you come to church and you know, you can put that into the, the tithing as well, so. I, I would say um, to give thanks because in South Korea, we have a holiday for like, um, it's our uh, South Korea Thanksgiving Day. Basically, we start at the first harvest. Chusak. Yeah, so <laughs> that is the name for it. But um, basically, it's to get the first fruit of whatever they cultivate and give it to the whatever gods that they were serving. Um, so that's their uh, Thanksgiving holiday. The same thing as here, I think, where to cultivate the first fruit and give it to our God is to give thanks for the harvest. So, so back then, what would have been the opposite? Okay, go ahead, Daniel. I was just going to say, I, to add, I mean, I'm surprised at how many people you're talking to, you know, use this as an excuse not to come to church. You know, just, I don't know where we pivoted or whatever, but I have a couple of friends that I do a lot of things with, and, you know, invitations and things of that nature comes out where somehow or another it's got communicated that it's a requirement, right? I think that's where, you know, we, we need to help people to understand that it's not a requirement to come to church. It's an opportunity to be around family, church family. But yet, you know, over the last 50 years, often it has been browbeat into people that, you know, it's a demand. You know, you, you, 
got to be here, and then people push back on that and rebel against that. And so that's where, you know, as a church family, you know, we try to challenge you to come and be part with each other. Opportunities to grow and learn, and that's where, you know, like in this classroom, as in others, you know, we want it to be discussion so that we can understand and learn some things you're seeing and from things you've experienced so we can learn from that because we're family and God wants us learning from each other. Nate? No, I, I wasn't. Oh, sorry. Okay, was Somebody else? Was oh, bien. Okay. Yes, a more feminine hand than that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> to me, that ties right into what uh, Pastor Sean was preaching about this yeah. morning with the mat <laughs> and how, you know, those those legalistic terms, things, you know, you have to you have to pay your tithes. You know, they're missing the they're missing the big picture. They're missing, you know, what they need. Um, doesn't matter if you pay or not, you still need what's in the church. So when we look at this, uh, then let's jump into, then the barns uh, will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What's the, the New Testament picture that we often talk about, uh, pastor often bring it up here, uh, that we see between verse 9 and verse 10? What's that? Prosperity. We do talk about that, but no, I don't. I don't. That wasn't what I was. Uh, but yeah, we got to be careful about uh, you know prosperity gospel and name it and claim it. And the reason you don't have is because you're not being spiritual enough. Uh, so yeah, that is true. That wasn't my thought, but that, that fits there. It fits there perfectly because that's what prosperity gospel does. You know, it says that. If you want your barns to be filled, then you have to do this, all right? And if your barns aren't being filled, it's because you're not doing this on that. And so it's very much around that. I just want to say something else. It's, it's, it's when God says to do these things, I think you have to come to the realization that he owns it all and that he's giving you these many blessings. And it's, it's like his commandments. It's not a burden to follow your commandments because you love him. So you would want to give money to your church because you love the Lord. It's not so much that you have to. It's just that you see he lets you wake up every morning. He gives you so many blessings. And that why wouldn't you want to take care of his church? Somebody said the word trust. I forget. Who was that? Darius did. Oh, yeah. Well, the trust part, I think also because God promised that if you do this, then... I promise that this will happen. So if you trust what he said, this is what you will do. And the other thing that I thought was interesting was um, instead of giving him your leftovers, you give him the first thing because you're, it's kind of a form of worship, right? And so I was going to go down that road. Since you circled us back, I'll do it now. So back then, what would have been the opposite of bringing the first fruits? Wait to see how much you have and then... Okay, all right. Waiting till the end to see what you had and then bring some. Somebody else stay over here? Okay. I think it's just, you step out on faith. Okay. All right. Like, instead of waiting to see, you're like, all right, so this, you know, and then you just make a commitment. And then a lot of people, like, get confused. It's not just monetary. There is, we need volunteers in the nursery. We need uh, uh, people to step up and become deacons and ushers and, and then every aspect of the church, um, yeah. 
So volunteers for the Lord's Supper. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. There, yeah. Exactly. So, so then, what would be the opposite in 2024 then? If we're not trusting God with everything that we have with our as our first fruits, then then. You know, not you, of course, but maybe somebody else in another Sunday school class. <laughs> what would they be doing that wouldn't be this, Mike? You, you're relying on yourself, right? Okay. You're, um, I don't know, you don't look at it that way. Like, hey, I earned this. I, I worked hard for it, so it's mine. And, mm -hmm. uh, yep. and I'll sprinkle a little bit yep. to God. Yep. Yep. Um, so that reminds me of Second Corinthians 9, 6, which says that the, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And it says each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so, you know, when we're, when we're giving with tithes, you know, offerings, those things of our first fruits, we're giving it out of a heart of, we're of thankfulness, right? Because we know that all things come from God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his anyway. And so I should I should have this desire, not so it shouldn't be reluctant. I shouldn't it shouldn't hurt me to give. I should be giving because it's all His anyway, right? So thank you, Lord, for what you've given me, and I'll, and this is all that I could give. I wish I could give even more. Really, should be the the heart. Before you jump off that, drop down to verse ten. Read verse ten. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. I think that's interesting. It's yeah. not, as we see in Proverbs, a this for that of, a, of agrarian barn full. Right. There's a connection between giving and a harvest of righteousness. Yeah. Yes. Which awesome. is what you were saying in the beginning, that transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Yeah, that's good. And I think we need to point out uh, and want to make sure that we don't, it doesn't become like a religious routine, like, oh, I tithe, so I'm going to go to heaven, or, oh, I don't eat meat for 10 days, or I rub dirt on my forehead, or nobody saw my feet, like different, like weird religion, religious, like, like nuances. So, yeah, we, they want to detract away from what we're being called to do. Yeah, it's really a, a spirit matter as far as, you know, where is our spirit? Is our spirit with the spirit or not with the spirit? Jane? I think we have to go all the way back to Genesis to Cain and Abel to look at the difference of what Abel brought versus what Cain brought. And then God's response to that was sin is crouching at the door and you have to rule over sin. And that was the difference between our two offerings. Yeah, yeah. Who, who brought the offering with the right heart back then? Abel. Abel did. You know, it wasn't what they brought. It, it was how they brought it and the heart that they brought it with. It wasn't one was an animal and one was a plant, all right? Because we see throughout the Old Testament, both are offerings and both are righteous offerings. And so that's why we have to make sure we understand that it was his heart and that's why Cain was not being accepted in his offering. Neil? Just as we have needs that we have to meet, the church also has needs that need to be met. And so by us giving an offering, we are meeting the needs of, of the church. And so. And, and, and I try to rephrase that and repicture that. Uh, it's the needs you guys have. You know, it's not that Breen as the church is a separate entity than each of you. All right. And so <clears throat> you all need to have heating and air, you all need to have running water. 
you all need to have uh, light come on. Uh, and so it's not like the entity, the Berean church, needs this. It's These are the expectations you would have and visitors would have when they come. Now, in the 1950s, you could just throw open the windows, and you didn't have to have air conditioning in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, but now, in 2024, if you're a church and you don't have air conditioning... Uh, Plenty of parking for visitors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I wanted to jump out to Acts chapter 2, verse 45, yeah. and it talks about the early fellowship of believers. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So, I mean, that's, you know, I, I would say that that's probably doesn't happen very often. <coughs> that people go out and sell their possessions to, to mm -hmm. give. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that's a challenging verse. And, and here's where we have to understand the context. They had a very small margin financially back then. We really have a much greater margin in our lives today, but because we spend it and we buy on a lot of things that are not life necessities, it doesn't seem like we have that big of a margin. But we have to realize that back, back then, the finances were literally that tight that if they needed extra money for somebody, they had to literally get rid of something that they had. Now, for us today, that would rarely be the case if we just handle our finances and, and live within our means. Uh, we, we should have uh, an extra amount just on hand uh, because in 2024 in Fayetteville, North Carolina, that people that are at Berean Baptist Church, very few of us are living that, that tight from the standpoint of what we make and what we need to live on. Now, having said that, in Berean in 2024, there's a lot of people that are living very tightly. But that's not because you're living for what you actually need. That's because you're living on what you want. You know, I mean, statistics still show that people are spending 110% of what they're earning in the United States. And the statistics aren't that much better within people that go to church. That's why debt is increasing more and more because people are living on more than they're even making on that. And when we think about even somebody that is low socioeconomic around us, compared to the rest of the world, they're within the highest 5% of, of those across the whole world. And so those of us that are middle class or upper uh, class, we're even higher up in that percentile, probably 98th percentile, 99th percentile within the world uh, as far as the money you take in compared to everybody. When you think about that, almost 8 billion people. Most of us in this room, we're at least at the 90th percentile when it comes to making money across the board, the whole world, the whole 8 billion population. Wow. Mm -hmm. you know, so 
That's where we we got to make sure we're seeing our context bigger than right around here. Because yeah, it's easy to find somebody who makes more money than you around here, drives a nicer car, has a bigger house. But then you got to look at the whole way around the world. Sandra. Yes, I just want to say that uh, when I read that first group, when you do that, it helps you conquer greed. It does. And, mm. and, and you teach yourself how to. Like you say, using your resources, actually, you know, your resources, what they give us for, to help. Yeah, you know, it does help with greed. Uh, if you didn't hear her on that, uh, it definitely helps us not be as greedy. I just wanted to say that a lot of times we don't realize that the money that we give goes to sometimes missionaries mm -hmm. and it goes to the pastors. And we have a part in that, whether you realize it or not. Mm -hmm. The Lord says, give to the church, and a lot of pastors are preaching and continually studying the Word of God, and that goes out to others, and others are saved through that. And missionaries across the world are out there preaching the gospel, and you are given the money so you can fund these things, and you are part of that, and the Lord sees that. So, Darius? Oh, um, I was going to say, somebody mentioned earlier you know, that our, our wealth is not just financially bound. Mm -hmm. We have resources, vehicles, homes, mm -hmm. time, um, and what we're I think kind of what we're seeing here is we get to we get to so temporally, so physically and re spiritually thinking about what Jesus said in Matthew six about laying up treasure for ourselves in heaven. What greater treasure is there than to invest in souls? Um, to get to see more people brought into the household of God worshiping our Savior. So here'll be a here'll be a testimony for my guests, uh, uh, through silence. So for those of you in the room Okay. Don't raise your hand at any point, please. But for those of you in the room that are very trusting of God with your finances and your wealth, how many of you feel shortchanged and that you're actually missing out on something? The more you're around people that have turned finances over to God and, and really allow Him to have control of them, I've never run into people that are you know, complaining or distraught or, or challenged. Um, it's one of those that, you know, what we just read, it happens. You know, the sowing and the reaping and God doing the multiplication, it happens. And ultimately, this is all tied to our righteousness, as Gene pointed it out. You know, the way we control and give uh, and share what we have, it comes back to, are we right with God or are we not right with God? So, glad you guys made that connection with 2 Corinthians on that. And the Acts passage, I mean, that, that's to me, that's the perfect picture of the New Testament church. When we start there in Acts chapter 2, start at verse 39, 3,000 came to faith. And then everything that they did, and then they found favor with those that were in the lost community around them, and God added to the church daily. Uh, to me, that can be us in 2024. But to find favor in those that are around us, they need to see what, what the community saw happening in that New Testament church there. Because it was drastically different than what they were seeing in their own neighborhood and their own families. That's why they were f being found favorable because people were looking at them and they're just like, wow, you know, that's that's like crazy awesome on that. Right. So. Mike, you close up the word prayer for us, please. Sure.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, and first of all, Lord, we give you thanks to be able to uh, deep dive into your word, Lord. Uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, we give you thanks for the many blessings that you give us. Help us to realize that it's all yours, Lord, that, that we should uh, give uh, with uh, cheerful hearts, Lord, and that you do your will, with whatever that is, to expand your kingdom, Lord. Lord, we ask that you be with the preaching, Lord. Uh, uh, with uh, Pastor Sean, Lord, and we ask that you be with us, Lord, as uh, we go on through our weeks, that we uh, that we are that light uh, among uh, among our work or friends or whatever situation we find ourselves this week, Lord. Please help us to to uh, spread your kingdom, Lord. And in your son's name, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.